Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Time Extend. My name is Adam Ismail, and joining me today, as always, is... Brendan Norrison, and, well, Adam, we're back on our nonsense. It's been a while since the last episode, but once again, we're here to discuss uh, a racing game that many people might not have heard of, or underappreciated, or simply... Um, I've never played it because it isn't something that's considered a, a stalwart series in the genre. We're going to be talking some multi-racing championship, which is a game that I didn't even know existed prior to you telling me about it. Yeah, so the last episode we did was, was on GTI Club, which in and of itself is a game that not uh, many people know about, and that actually is a series. Uh, this is definitely not a series. Uh, this game called MRC on the N64, and I feel like it's like Shocks is the time extend game. You know, that's pretty much always kind of been been the way it is. But I feel like MRC is maybe like another time extend game for the sole reason that like I've I grew up playing a ton of it. I know about it, and I feel like it was just unavoidable. Um, when I was a kid, it was like always at every single rental store. It was just everywhere. Uh, this this N64 racing game that not a lot of people talk about. Um, but the game is pretty much, I don't know if hated is a fair word, but it, it <laughs> nobody really likes this game. Nobody ever really, um, you know, holds this game in the same regard as your uh, Wave Race or Top Gear Rally or, or any sure. number of N64 racing games, let alone, you know, the Ridge Racers and stuff, uh, Sega Rallies of the uh, PlayStation and the Saturn. So, yeah, it's just kind of this weird oddity, this Genki-developed racing game, which you'd think because it's Genki people would maybe uh, recognize it more, but that doesn't ever really happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, this, this is one of those games, you know, my, my local video store growing up only ever had a, a small selection. You know, I remember on the N64, there was like this and Extreme G and there might've been something else. I can't remember. I think off-road, the uh, off-road challenge, the uh, Ivan Stewart uh, racing game by Midway and, you know, uh, maybe Cruising USA. That was our N64 selection. So it was a lot of rotation of the same games over and over <laughs> again. So I remember renting yeah. MRC a couple of times. And I don't think I ever really liked it that much. But, you know, when you're a kid, you just you just keep playing the same game. It's like you have choices. You, there are other games you could probably play. But you're like, no, I mean, I'll, I'll tell my, my mom to rent MRC for like the third time. <laughs> So that's what we did. <laughs> I think, like, as well, one of the, the reasons we wanted to have this episode was this idea of the, the game maybe not resonating with the people who have played it. Like you say, maybe hate's a strong word in some sense, but I think we were hoping that we'd come into this and um, you, you would obviously really like it, and then I could share my thoughts in terms of what, what I thought and maybe more on a negative side of things. But um, th this is another kind of key example of me I'm not having much experience on the Nintendo 64, so I absolutely know nothing about it. So I've got like no skin in the game in the sense that there's no benefit to me trying to forge up positives for this game. But what I will say is like, I, I just really enjoyed it, genuinely speaking. Um, obviously we'll get into the discussion a bit more in depth soon and talk a bit about the nuances of the game. But I was, I was genuinely shocked at the 
kind of level of playability of it and the sheer variation, given that in terms of scope it is fairly limited, but like most racing games from that era, it, it was one of those situations where games kind of they live or die by the, the gameplay and here it's a it's an interesting and unique handling model that you can mostly get a hang of, but obviously there's a, a few kind of kinks in there that make it a, a bit of a challenge, especially um, as we'll soon get into I suppose. The kind of separation of vehicle types from road to off-road cars can like, make it feel like a totally different game at times. Yeah, it, really the most interesting thing for me was going to be how you received it, because uh, as we've, we've discussed in the past when we talk about N64 racing games, you didn't really grow up with an N64, so no. um, you're coming to this stuff kind of for the first time. And sort of what touched this off is uh you know jason lamp who we've had on before uh big big sega racing guy um he and i were in a store in a retro game shop in uh jersey and we came across we were in the n64 section this was probably like two or three months ago and we came across just like 16 copies of MRC like they didn't have as many copies of any one single game for any other game it was just MRC and we kept making this joke about like well should I buy all of them and then just give them away because no one I'm no one's gonna care about this game no one does care about this game I'm probably the only one in the store right now who's played it and and Jason obviously and like I, I don't know I mean anyone in the time extend discord you bring it up to for the most part it's just like it sucks so <laughs> i just thought it would be just a a, a good you know meme a, a joke to just like give them away um because again it's very it's very indicative of the type of stuff we like because it's unknown and like moderately interesting um but the thing is each copy of the game was like six or seven dollars which like if you go back 10 years ago the, the they would have been yeah. like one or two bucks so it's like that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense i would have had to spend like you know upwards of a hundred dollars to buy all these copies of mrc and that didn't really seem like a, a, a great investment uh so just for a joke as well <laughs> just just to save yeah just, just to save and then i would have had to ship them out um and and with with the listeners all over the place you know it would, would have been a little bit difficult but uh but yeah so in this whole process, I mean, you played the game for the first time. I went back to the game, and and I've, like I said, I played it when I was a kid. Didn't play it for a long time. Uh, I have a copy on the N64, but I didn't have that with me, um, so I ended up emulating it as you did. And I actually appreciate the game now more than I ever did before. Um, and it's funny because like I, yeah, the list of like weird racing game hot takes I have, um, you know, I'd say like one of the one of the higher up ones, one of the the ones that people find more offensive is that I don't like Ridge Racer and Ridge Racer Revolution on the PlayStation, <laughs> and I don't think <laughs> that they handle very well, and I don't think that they're really fun to play at all. But um, I. My my hot take is that MRC is better than both of those games, um, which you Oof. know no one no one ever wants to hear. Uh, but <laughs> I I just genuinely think what it is is um, and you allude to this. This game has a very interesting conceit, which is that uh, 
it feels a lot like and it looks a lot like Ridge Racer for the N64. But the big difference is that um, you have a wide variety of cars and you have three different tracks. And while it's only, you know, three tracks, um, they all have these branching paths. And there are road sections and there are off-road sections. And in Sega Rally-like fashion, they do definitely affect the handling of the car. Now, the, the handling in this game is nowhere near as good as Sega Rally's. But... Yeah. Uh, you really have to, depending on the car you choose, you really have to do be careful about the paths that you take because there are some like rally cars and sports cars that are really going to be better on road, and then there are like trucks and buggies that are going to be better off road. And in a lot of cases, the off road paths are shorter. They actually cut, you know, in terms of distance, they cut time. However, uh, they're slower uh, when you when you drive off road in this game. You can't hit the same top speeds. Maybe they're a little bit harder to navigate. Um, you know, they're, they're not as fast. So you almost have to be, I mean, if you're in like a truck, you don't, you really don't want to spend as much time on the asphalt as possible. But depending on the track, you might actually kind of want to mix and match some of those paths for the optimal route. And that's when the game, I think, gets really, really interesting uh, and offers something that a lot of other racing games don't i mean honestly i can't think of another racing game outside of and this is going to sound weird but need for speed hot pursuit 2 that had like a, a a big a mixture of like all of these different paths you could take with like on-road and off-road portions and you'd really have to think about like which ones you take because they're going to affect the car differently um and mrc's car roster is so vast that like that really factors into it too and it's just like to me, it's like it's like a Ridge Racer type game, like with, with an extra kind of tweak to it, you know. Yeah, exactly, and I, I totally agree. To be honest, I think that what really surprised me was the and the sheer variation in gameplay for a game that is almost like some sort of Ridge Racer clone. Because, like you say, like when you think about those first Ridge Racer, Ridge Racer Revolution, I think we. We kind of look at it through the, the rose-tinted glasses of, of what Ridge Racer is as a series, as a whole. Um, obviously, when we discussed the Ridge Racer series um, on the pod, I think uh, we've heard a few people say they were surprised at how many kind of negative points were brought up and maybe contentious points, but that's because um, even in those early days, I think Ridge Racer, uh, unless you've played that first game in an arcade, it's really hard to really kind of say completely 100% legitimately that the first game has a fantastic handling model. Um, it works and at the time it was brilliant, but with MRC it, it doesn't, in my opinion, once again have a perfect handling model, far from it, but what it has is a handling model that's in incredibly more varied and um, reacts more to the, the cars that are there in terms of how each car handles because you, you could have seen that from Genki who developed the game conjunction with Imagineer, you could have seen they basically split it into on-road and off-road cars as we talked about and then left it there in terms of handling, but every single car in this game just handles so differently that you could absolutely scream to first place in one of the hardest tracks in the right car that works for you, but then you try another truck say, if it was a truck you were good with and that truck you, you can barely fucking finish the race, and it, it's really interesting to see that because like there's, there's no need for this game to have that much kind of variation but it just makes it feel a, a lot more of a complete package and 
especially in some of those boss races, it's really important that you choose a car you're comfortable with because the way the handling model works, it almost feels as if you're always on that kind of edge of control and if somebody kind of lightly taps the car or you kind of slightly scrape a wall, you can start to feel the car kind of sliding into this like incredibly difficult slide to correct. It's, it's, um, it's an interesting handling model purely because it is so dynamic, which is not something I personally expected. Yeah, and it it has a lot of content in terms of the cars. Like, I I don't have the actual number in front of me, but um, it's got to be like somewhere around like eight cars or something like that, which would have been pretty uh, a pretty lar- large selection for 1997 when this game came out. Um, and they're not like licensed cars but they in in the ridge racer fashion they do kind of borrow uh elements from a lot of uh cars of the day so um the main car is uh the one you see on on the cover is this kind of weird buggy thing i don't really think you can compare to anything but then there's this other car that shows up a lot the imagineer branded car that's white and red and that's either like a lancer evolution or it's it, it's a cross between basically every Japanese like sport coupe or sedan of the day. It looks kind of like a Lancer <laughs> yeah. Evo. It looks kind of like an Impreza. It looks kind of like a Skyline. There's this car that is is very clearly a Renault Five Turbo. There's this other car. It's very clearly an Alfa Romeo like GTV. Um, and in Ridge Racer fashion, like these cars do look uh, pretty pretty appropriate to. You know, modern cars of the day and the design, I think, is pretty cool. Um, and if you're driving the trucks, you know, like, there's there's one truck in the game that just looks like your standard, like, Toyota Hilux, and it's it's ocean-branded, uh, like the publisher. Um, the trucks, I feel like, are actually... The way that the cars are structured, the trucks are more of the beginner vehicles because they'll never hit the same top speeds as the sports cars, but you can drive them on any surface. So, like, I end up enjoying the game mostly through the trucks because you take, like, the Alpha onto an off-road section and the car doesn't turn. And so I feel like there's almost... There are some cars in this game that you just really don't want to use, and, like, maybe if you're really, really good at MRC for whatever reason, you're, like, a speedrunner or something, like, maybe you, you use those cars, but for me... Um, I just kind of tend to go with the trucks and the game does get pretty difficult. There are like, uh, devil and angel cars at the end, which also is like another <laughs> yeah. Ridge racer, uh, trope that this game kind of copies. Um, there, the, the devil car is called the Hanya, which I, I don't know if <laughs> that's supposed to mean something else or if it's just supposed to kind of sound like Honda. Um, and then the, the, the angel car is called the Deus, which sounds, you know, like a God type thing. So, and then that is like a Caterham basically. Um, so it, it's very, yeah, I mean the, the Ridge, the Ridge racer, um, illusions definitely carry themselves throughout this game. But the thing is like a lot of people really don't like it. And and you go back and you look at reviews and stuff and it's, it's a generally, um, it was kind of seen as an also ran on the N64. It was dismissed as like Top Gear Rally was basically decided early on as like the N64 racing game that everyone was going to go crazy about. And sure. MRC is just like, like I found the IGM review because there's not a lot of content about this game out there. And, and pretty much everything's just like, you know, wait for Top Gear Rally or San Francisco Rush. Well, I guess this game came out before them. Um, 
you know, it, it suffers from that typical 90s issue of there's no car damage, uh, therefore it's not good. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think, and 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 to be honest, like I think it's actually a graphically like a pretty good looking game, uh, because it it has some of that fog issue, but it's not nearly as bad as like Top Gear Rally on the N sixty four, and it's kind of got that like grainy aspect to it. Like some of the tracks, like uh, Downtown um, and the Mountain Track, really remind me a lot of Rage Racer. They kind of have that gritty aspect to them. So. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's why, like, the more I play this game, the more I just feel like it, it doesn't really feel like an N64 racing game. It feels like something from the PlayStation. Um, it's just, this, it's just yeah, a weird oddity. <laughs> I think it is, and I, I, I am surprised at just this reputation it has, even at the time, in terms of not being that great, because it's not as if the Nintendo 64 was going to have a plethora of racing games once its library completed, so you'd imagine that people would have been trying to go in with his much of an open mind as possible, but I think especially in that era, there was this kind of predetermined look at racing games about how maybe expansive or how much they were pushing the envelope they had in terms of scope, and obviously MRC has these like incredibly detailed tracks, but there's still only like three of them, uh, with the mirror variants as well, and um, in terms of the the kind of core gameplay look, they're not exactly trying to reinvent the wheel, but that's fine. Um, I think that the kind of boss battles like you're, you were talking about as well, it provides a nice additional layer on top of the racing because the kind of main crux of the game isn't that difficult if you can get the right car or you can modify the car as well. So if you choose a car you really like and get it working well, then it shouldn't pose too much of an issue. But um, what's interesting with the boss cars is that I personally found them pretty challenging. But Adam, I'm not sure if you've just built up like incredible skill at this game throughout the years and don't find it that challenging. But you were saying you kind of coasted through it almost. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny because I remember playing this game um, not even when I was a kid, but maybe like, you know, 10 years ago or something when I got again on the N64 and, and I, I sourced a secondhand copy and... Uh, I remember it being pretty difficult at the end. I remember the first loop you go through, because basically it's, you know, kind of classic arcade racing game fare where you, you do all the tracks once and you do them again and you do them in like mirror mode or whatever and then you do them like, you know, against the boss cars. And I remember a first one, the first loop, maybe a second loop was easy, but once you get into those mirrored tracks and you start facing the boss cars, it gets pretty difficult. Um, but yeah, I, I, I played through the game. I feel like I, I coasted through the boss cars. I, <laughs> I, I think what I maybe did that I hadn't done the first time was I picked a different car that I normally do, and I didn't go with the uh, the, the, the easiest truck to drive. I went with something a little bit faster, and I, I kind of tweaked the, uh, the handling characteristics and stuff, which like makes a big difference in this game. I, I think this is um, actually one of the things about MRC that makes it very interesting that... Um, maybe people who've kind of just dipped into the game and played for a minute and not really explored uh, aren't aware of. But yeah, you can tweak all of these cars. And, you know, it's, it's an old racing game, but there's like seven or eight sliders from like, you know, gearing to aerodynamics to suspension to steering speed and all of these things that uh, brake pressure that make the cars handle differently and deal with the terrain differently. You can pick, I think, different tires too. 
I know like Sega Rally on the Saturn had a little bit of that, but it's even Sega Rally on the Saturn didn't have the same, I think, depth and level of of customization in terms of like car handling and and uh, car behavior that this game had, and it does allow you to use uh, some cars that that you wouldn't otherwise use. Uh, you know, allows you to take like a, a road based car and make it a little bit better for the off-road sections. And I think that adds another layer of, of uh, complexity to a game that makes it really fun. Uh, I always, uh, I, I see this game and it reminds me of, um, you ever see that Namco, the arcade game, Dirt Dash? Yeah, 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 I've seen that. Before. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of that because you know it's uh, all the Ridge Racer similarities we're talking about, but it has all of those off-road portions. It's more of a rally game, um, and yeah, I mean it, this game to me it kind of looks like that. Uh, probably doesn't play like that at all because I've, I've barely played Dirt Dash, but yeah. Uh, I, you know, it's funny because I feel like the N sixty four. We've talked about this before. It was one of those systems that always. It wasn't really known for racing games, so anytime a racing game would appear on it, developers were always trying to do something a little bit different. And I think games like this and Beale Adventure Racing uh, that we've talked about in the past, um, and probably a couple others too, are really emblematic of that. You know, just taking your sort of standard racing game of the day, and just adding these little elements to it to make it a little bit more um, unique. Uh, you know, and and I think if you're looking at it on paper, there's not a whole lot that that differentiates MRC, but just for whatever reason, when you're playing it, I mean, these tracks aren't particularly long, but I think the breadth of uh, of paths that they offer makes them feel really big. You know, um, makes them feel like kind of vast, at least for the day, uh, because there are so many different routes that you can combine. Um, although I, I do tend to get the, the seaside is, is kind of its own thing, but the, the latter two tracks, mm -hmm. the mountain and, and downtown almost feel like the same track. So I tend to get those confused. Yeah, yeah definitely. There's, <clears throat> when you've got like three tracks, you always think they'll go for the route that Sega Rally did in terms of making them incredibly distinct and, um, have their own kind of nuances in terms of the environment, but. Those latter two definitely fall into that category, especially when, for example, the game decides to change up the weather a bit, because obviously that's a, a feature in there as well. If it's like incredibly foggy, it's almost impossible to tell those two tracks apart, it feels like. Yeah. And, yeah, I think, just to kind of generally comment on the complexities of the game with such a simple scope, I mean, let, let's be honest here, a lot of these complexities being layered on top of each other, it, it makes the game feel pretty repetitive because there is a limited amount of tracks and championship options and the, the boss races are the 1v1 type races of course and you've got time trial in there so like we're not trying to say that oh it's this incredibly varied and unique experience, it's pretty much the exact blueprint for what a 90s racer would be at that time period without any kind of specific elements which would make it stand out. But I think MRC deserves credit for the fact that it takes that idea of these tracks almost feeling like a bit 
like we talk about with, with a, a few games throughout Time Extend, it's like a living world in the sense that you have those different pathways you can take, you have all these different shortcuts. It's not a guarantee that these shortcuts will make you win either because some shortcuts will be better than others depending on the car, um, depending on how good the driver is as well. So it's not like it's a, a surefire, just take this route every time and you will win. Obviously in the 1v1s with the boss races it can be a bit more methodical because ultimately you're just trying to kind of get your bumper in front of theirs and pip over the line. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, I feel like it's one of these games where I can go on and I can spend a good, say, 30 minutes trying to beat a certain race and then I can turn it off again and leave it there and that that is the most enjoyable model. It's not something you're going to sit and play for 2-3 hours on end anymore just given all the options we have in terms of racing games even on the N64 itself I suppose and yeah I mean if you want to get particularly picky um, the other kind of Nintendo 64 racers maybe do what MRC does a bit better but it's still worth playing in the sense that you're, you're experiencing something that didn't make much of a mark when it released. It's kind of been forgotten to time a little bit. And it's also a, a game developed by a development studio who have some of the kind of most prominent cult classics in the, the entire genre. So it's worth playing from that perspective. And from a personal perspective as well, I just... I really enjoy the, the odd vibe of the game so because the, the menus, <laughs> yeah, it's so fucking weird. I'm glad we're getting to talk about this because like, the menu system almost seems like it's kind of trying to approximate like, Sega Rally on the Saturn yep. with the kind of dulled colours and the, the fonts, especially at times, seem very Sega Rally-like, depending on what's up on the screen. Like, I think it's like the time-up display or something that comes up that looks incredibly similar to the Game Over font in Sega Rally. Um, the the cars themselves have that weird nineties like oddity as far as like the names just seem like absolute fucking nonsense. Um, <laughs> the the wide variety of like car bodies are those ones that you find kind of commonly in that era. But in, as far as the oddities go, like for me, the kind of post race, uh, post boss race, like tiny cutscenes that play are the most like. Yeah oddly dream sequence fucking nonsense like I've seen in a racing yeah. game in a while yeah. and it's so fucking trippy man like the, the shit that comes up and just while we're on that as well we're talking about what kind of Hanya means um, apparently it's uh, basically a, a way of describing a, a, fem a jealous female Japanese demon um, apparently it's like a mask oh, so that's what the, okay. the boss car has that icon the mask Interesting. apparently it's kind of yeah, it's something from the old Japanese theater, basically, to represent a jealous female. Demon. So it's so. called the, uh, <laughs> the In the Garage, which I also, I love the car selection in this game. It shows you, like, these cars, and in they're all in their own garages. And above it, it has kind of the logo and what the car is. And it says Hanya VH110R. And I don't even know how to describe what this car looks like. It, it looks like nondescript 90s... Um, supercar but i i can't even really compare it to anything because it just looks that generic but also looks kind of cool um definitely the devil car of the game yeah <laughs> absolutely and it's pretty funny actually like the the oh it's, it almost reads like a license plate when you're reading it out there but like i was i was fucking reading that like subconsciously as victor for some reason so I'm like oh well that's the thing that the names here. the names are so weird because i'm I actually had to pull up a, a FAQ to remind me what the names are. So um, there's the Tigris 
which is like the it's like a Renault Megane, but it's called like the. Yeah. It, it, it's almost spelled Sean, like S H A U N, as like the uh, the manufacturer, <laughs> but the A and the U were transposed, so it's like Shuan Tigris. And there's uh there there are these other cars. There's the Armstrong and the Meteora, and and then like when like the the Imagineer car is called the Galleon, but then the Ocean Truck. It's just called Ocean. It's just it's just the deve- <laughs> it's just the publisher's name, and I don't think there's a there's yeah. no Genki car, but it's just it's just phenomenally odd. Um, I think you know it's it's hard like, to tell because like Imagineer, Imagineer may have had more to do with this game than Genki. I'm not really sure. Maybe Genki just kind of handled the handling side of it, but th- there's so sure. little known about it. Like I, I was trying to dig up whatever information I could. One of my favorite things is so IGN is usually a good resource when you go back and and try and uh, find any information about these old racing games because IGN has obviously been around forever, and even all their previews and stuff are still live. But they don't have any for this game. But they have one news article. <laughs> dated from uh september 4th 1997 that's titled mrc on sale now everywhere and uh the 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 whole article is probably like you know 70 words and it just says like uh retailing for 70 dollars mrc went went on sale across the u.s today the game appeared seemingly out of nowhere with little hype and very pre and very little pre-warning we contacted ocean and were told that the game after being delayed once before was planned for an early september release and had actually shipped over a week ago because <laughs> this is a you know wow. this is the late 90s that's like you know, when did the game come out? I, apparently, it's been out for over a week. Uh, and, you know, people <laughs> broke street dates all the time back in the day. So it, it's, it, it, you know, it's definitely um, indicative of, of, of the 90s uh, video game landscape in that sense. But, yeah, just totally a different time. $70 yeah, for this, sold. too, which I don't know what that is in today money. I'll, I'll try and find that out right now. I think Nintendo 64 games were always pretty expensive, weren't they? Like, I'm guessing the cost of the cartridges probably bumped up the cost of a lot of games, or I think that's something. I've heard yeah, they before. were they were very expensive. So seventy dollars in 1997 was a is 120 today, which is crazy. Fuck. So imagine spending 120 on a on a racing game with eight cars uh, and three tracks, and and it's not even like anyone's favorite racing game it's just fine like (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i guess that's a a really good point because we we look at it from the lens of having this game readily available at no extra cost to us whatsoever um we're reviewing it through the eyes of a a kind of a 2021 look um and can you imagine like 120 dollars isn't a lot of cash so I can sort of understand why maybe the the reception was a bit more lukewarm, but thankfully those kind of caveats that it was looked at back then aren't really relevant today because we do have the game readily available and I think more than ever people are always keen to find games they may have missed out on before and yeah, multi-racing championship as far as it goes, I, I would agree with you Adam in the sense that I think the 
the enjoyability factor of multi-racing championship is higher than the original Ridge Racers on PlayStation because it's, first of all, it's actually fun to play <laughs> instead of feeling that you're trying to wrestle with the game quite a lot. And um, secondly, it, it's just that it's a nice kind of evolution of that concept of Ridge Racer in a good way, like you are saying um, earlier. Namco did kind of explore it almost with Dirt Dash and God, imagine a imagine a reality where those two see Ridge Racer and Dirt Dash were kind of brought together and yeah. <laughs> made into something like multi race championship. Yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, uh, and I mean Dirt Dash obviously never even got a home port, and it's a really it's a really interesting game that I've tried to kind of emulate on like Mame and stuff like that, and varying degrees of success there. It's one of those like obscure '90s racing games that I don't think anyone's uh really tried to make sure plays well um you know on pcs via emulation or whatever but yeah the the one thing you touched on before when we were talking about how weird this game is is the um uh, like kind of the race victory screens and that's yeah. definitely if you play mrc you know you'll definitely win a race or two early on and you'll kind of get to see what we mean but just to explain like they're so weird like basically yeah. this like i remember one of them the car it's also it's always a car driving up to a trophy or the car driving up to like a, a podium and uh you know sitting on the podium is a trophy and you just have this weird inter like uh insinuated interaction between this car and this trophy and there are no people there's no human there's no driver it's just the car driving up to this thing that it won and it just like it reminds me a lot of um weird reference but i remember when we were talking about need for speed you were talking about how like the world existed just for cars and no humans it were a thing <laughs> and that's it kind of brings me back to that um and and the other weird thing is that they always happen on in these weird places so like for one of the tracks it's like on top of a mountain like this highest point yeah. on the mountain there's like a curving road that goes up it and like this 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 like cathedral exists on top of the mountain just to celebrate the car that's going to be like you know vaunted and sacrificed to the gods or something it it makes no sense there's another one where a car drives into like a coliseum where i get, presumably there are people around watching the ceremony unfold it's very um yeah ceremony is probably the best way to describe it it feels almost like pseudo religious it like <laughs> it, 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 it's just so strange uh, and definitely uh, is is sort of emblematic of the limitations of the hardware of the time because you know it's not like we can have people here uh, you, you don't even get like virtual racing character models it's just a car driving up to a trophy and that's it yeah th those those cutscenes are worth seeking out because they they just have this very kind of eerie atmosphere to them and I imagine as well playing it back in the day on the CRT screen and stuff it would have just looked like incredibly strange <laughs> I, ju I just love things like that in old old games where it's like I wonder what the what the thought process was about how they thought it was going to look and how that is the closest approximation of somebody's vision <laughs> because yeah. it's just so strange and like the volcano one even in terms of where these ceremonies are held, the volcano one is on the seaside track, so it's like 
it's an odd choice for a seaside track when you could have literally just had it at the yeah, beach right. <laughs> or something. Um, but no, like you say, it's, it's all very hyper-religious and cult-like, so get this car to drive up this like spiralling road that you see when it zooms out and just go up there and, and look at the trophy. I mean, look at is, the trophy. is the car allowed to take the trophy home <laughs> or has it got to stay there for reasons? We, we just don't know this stuff. It's not like there's a trophy room element in the game, so there's no evidence to suggest that trophy is actually <laughs> taken back. Uh, I just love there's a podium, but you know, no one's standing on the podium. So And the car won't fit on the podium because the podium's too small. So... Yeah, just weird. And, and and the one other thing I want to talk to, I know we're jumping around a lot. We don't have to get into a deep discussion. We, we've talked about how weird the handling is. And the one thing I'll say is if, yeah. if you're going to play this game, um, I, I you can drift in it, but I haven't found drifting to be a particularly fast or uh, intuitive technique so the way that i play mrc and i have found lots of success with is you kind of have to do the f0 tap the throttle a lot as you're turning to maintain grip yes because if you keep the the throttle pinned down you will just kind of do this skid where you the 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 back end of the car will step out and but you'll just plow you won't actually turn but if you tap a lot you you just have endless amounts of grip and that I don't know if that was really intentional because it seems like a pretty easy way to exploit the handling model, but I, I find that if you yeah if you just feather the throttle all the time, then you will never break traction. It's a very uh, at first it, it, the game almost feels unplayable until you discover this, and then it's like oh okay, well now if I do this, I can pretty much just win every race. It feels like it's necessary though for some of the, the later oh, yeah. races to learn that kind of tap to turn model and to be honest that's when the game really clicked for me once I started doing that because once the kind of the car starts drifting as we were talking about earlier it can be really hard to snap it back into gear especially for some of those road cars. Yeah. It just feels that you're sliding forever at times. For sure. Uh, what, one thing that isn't directly related to MRC but I think we're maybe going to have to talk about uh, at some point, or at least will become a, a topic of discussion in uh, in the Time Extend Discord, is you know, trying to look up information about this game. I was uh, taken to an Internet Archive scan of a Next Generation issue from uh, 1997. And this would have been the summer of 97 before MRC came out, and it has... A <laughs> Uh, has a new section, uh, Tokyo Game Show Report from Japan, which I love going back in these old magazines because it seemed like every single issue it was like, meanwhile in Japan, and then you you know you see like all the games that you're not getting to play or you'll get to play in a year and a half or you know won't come out here. Uh, in there, it mentions MRC as one of the many games. Um, Despite the showing from larger publishers, smaller companies really made the show worth seeing. Companies such as Imagineer and its thoroughly enjoyable multi-racing championship, uh, and off further on the N64, or Web Systems with its multiplayer sequel to Cool Borders, and they're just talking about these like little developers and their games. Within here is a section on the Saturn, and uh, this this is really interesting, Brendan. So, in this paragraph, it, it says, Sega made a strong impression with a gorgeous demo of a Panzer Dragoon RPG called Axel, a promising version of Last Bronx. Rounding out the Sega showing was the F1 simulation Tactics Formula 1. 
is the name of this game. Mm. Have you ever heard of this before? Never. This is the first thing yep. I've heard of it. So I, I saw this. I see, I see F1 simulation, and the, the title of the game is Tactics Formula 1. And I'm like, is this F1 Challenge? Because as far as I know, it's the only F1 game on the system. But no, yeah. there is a Saturn, a Japan, uh, a Japan-only release called. Ta it's actually called Tactics Formula. I don't think it has the F1 or the uh, the FIA license or anything like that. Right. It is a turn-based Formula One simulator. What? <laughs> no way. It is, it is top-down, and it basically turns the um, the track into. A board game essentially <laughs> mate that is fucking i'm just looking yeah. it up now holy yeah shit. it's weird you can you can find footage of it on youtube um there's this very very blurry video uh doesn't have any license anything but um yeah <sighs> wow that that is that is crazy man a turn-based <laughs> racing game holy crap yeah, it's it's very strange. It basically, it it changes the entire track, and this is all like top down, two D sprites, everything, yeah. bitmap backgrounds and shit. Uh, you have this kind of diamond pattern going down the track of like where you can move. So, you know, you can be in the middle of of, of the road. You can kind of be. Uh, on one end of it, and I, I don't, because I've never, I've never seen this game before. I don't know if you're kind of using this as like strategy to pass cars. But what's interesting is that like I'm seeing that after some moves, the game actually goes into like 3D mode, and and you you have like a little cutscene of a car of cars taking off in 3D. So it's it's not just all you know top down, which is is good because otherwise it'd be pretty pretty lame for the Saturn. Uh, but Yes, it's such, such a weird game. I, it's one of those games. I don't even know if we could ever really play it because it's it's a, uh, a strategy game essentially, and it's all in Japanese. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We might be able to kind of play about with it at best, but um, yeah, I, th I, I think that'd be a tough one to play. But there's, there are people in the comments of this YouTube video saying that it is actually fairly playable for English speakers. So, hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> I'm just looking up the developer to see if they've done anything. The description, else the description says, I've picked this up and tried to get into it so many times over the last 13 years, but it's always fallen flat. <laughs> ah, right, okay. <laughs> Maybe not worth it. Just looking up the developer itself. Holy shit, no way. So, they mostly seem to do like kind of early wrestling games outside of Formula wow. Tactics. But then they've also <laughs> made the Def Jam games. So, Fight for New York. No way, really? S swear down, wow. mate, yeah. Um, and then SimCity on the DS. Oh my god. <laughs> specifically, uh, the Ready to Rumble game that came out on the Wii. Jeez, this is crazy. Oh yeah, this AKI. Yeah, I remember seeing them related to uh, like wrestling games and stuff. Wow. And then in kind of later times, they shifted towards the um, the new style boutique games on the 
3DS, I don't know if you've ever seen those, it's like a weird game where you own like a fashion shop and stuff, they, they made those, and then they did a lot of idol games in Japan. If you see the cover of but it... Formula Tactics is the outlier. If you see a cover of it, it's a great, it's a great cover, uh, great box art, because they don't even, like they, it says Tactics Formula, the, the like font and everything of the logo is very like wacky kids game. And then underneath it, upside down, it says tactical board game. And there are like models of F1 cars, but they're made to look like board game pieces. So they're all just like plastic and like all one color. And they don't even try to make this like, oh, it's a, it's like a, a real like simulation, like a race manager thing. They go, they go full on like, this is a board game. This is a, 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 a video game version of a of a board of a tabletop board game that just happens to have cars in it. So, yeah, that is such a strange oddity that could only be revealed in a podcast focusing on MR. Certainly, the kind of thing that would never uh, w- would have never been successful uh, in the U.S. Uh, I, I imagine you know if they tried to localize it for Europe, though, might might have might have gotten. I mean, you, you, maybe they maybe they needed like the F one license, you know. But I feel like if they got that, people would have been interested. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a strange oddity to say the least, especially for like a home console. Like you may think something like this only top down mode would have existed on a handheld of some sort as well, just because of the turn based nature. So. Um, yeah, that, that is a Saturn game that I had no idea existed. <laughs> if you now. have played Virtual Formula, or Virtual Formula, if you have played uh, Formula <laughs> Tactics, um, you know, tell us about it uh, on Twitter or in the Discord or where wherever you uh, you have you you can because you know when I when I discover a game like this existed uh, it in this day and age, you know, in twenty twenty one, it's uh, it's always a bit of a surprise. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm trying to actually find if any are on sale on eBay, but it doesn't look like it. There's a guide. Oh wait, no, sorry, there is actually, and it's not that expensive. It's sixteen pounds pre-owned with seven pound delivery, so it's not as if it's like absolutely price gouged. It seems fairly fairly. There is a project to uh, translate Racing Lagoon. So maybe after Racing Lagoon is done, somebody can do Formula (laughs) Tactics. That will that will never yeah, never absolutely. ever happen. You never know. Maybe we'll get a sequel one day. <laughs> now that it's been unearthed. <laughs> Imagine if we had that power, man. As a tangent. <laughs> oh, I know, man. I wish. I, know. I think it's like just somebody walks into a boardroom. Like, remember Tactics Formula? No. Well, we're making a sequel, so get ready. <laughs> Well, that's the other thing is I keep calling it Formula Tactics, and and I keep getting even the title of the game wrong. The first the first time <laughs> that I read it in in that uh, next gen article, I thought that like oh some idiot from you know some some journalist, uh, American journalist in the nineties, probably like mixed up a Final Fantasy Tactics game and the Formula One game and like conflated them into this weird thing that they didn't understand because they don't know Japanese but that's that was actually the name of the game so that, that was a bit surprising I was ready to just be like oh this, this person's an idiot but no that <laughs> the game did exist and it was called that so just because like, you brought up the fact that it's from a magazine article I was looking at one for multi-racing championship as well and 
found a, a very 90s comment that just like sums up that era pretty well. Um, so this was basically an article that was looking at the different cars at the game and had like, a small description of what they might have looked like and random facts. So for the, the second boss car, um, I, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but is it like Deus? Deus, Deus? I think. Deus, okay. So listen to this, right? And I'm not sure if this is actually true or not, because we just talked about the fact there doesn't seem to be any driver models in the game. But for Deus, it says, doesn't look like much, but its driver is a psycho chick in leathers, which always gets our vote. Faster pussycat, kill, kill. What the fuck? Yeah, I don't remember a driver model. <laughs> Maybe they show up. Maybe one actually does show up. But yeah, making it real sexy like that, that is very 90s. It's a very, it's a very, very 90s thing to do. Yeah, it's um, it's funny, man. Like anything you look at these type of articles, there's always little lines like that that make you go like, okay, whatever. But th there is actually a really cool thing in this article that actually has a bullet point about the game, which is exactly what you said at the start of this pod that. It just literally says it could easily be a PlayStation game, <laughs> which is pretty interesting for somebody from that time era to remark something like that. Yeah, I don't know. There's a there's a look and a feel to N64 games. I, honestly, I it's one that I hate, which is why I don't really like my N64 games. But uh, <laughs> MRC doesn't really have that. It's like it's 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 grainier. The textures are like just sharper and everything. And I I think it's a pretty good looking game, but. I could see if you're the kind of person, if if we're taking this back to the 90s and like you want, like like that aesthetic is sort of celebrated now, but maybe wasn't at the time. And at the time it was more like you wanted games that were honestly like blurrier and like just had weird, <laughs> like, like Top Gear Rally just with its weird damage, which like if you look at the damage in Top Gear Rally, it makes no physical sense whatsoever. It's like you'll you'll end up there's like, do you remember when like Gran Turismo 5 came out and like some of the cars had like really sophisticated damage, but it was really just like the polygon mesh could be contorted in all sorts of weird and unnatural ways. Like, and then over time, like Polyphony slowly like updated that out of the game because it was resulting in cars looking like they were melting and shit. That's basically what Top Gear Rally's damage was. And like, you know, it was not it was the late nineties, so I don't begrudge them too much for it, but like I will never understand why why people like Top Gear Rally so much. It is it is not a good game. It, it's, it's really just a damage. Just, I, as far as I can tell, the, the only reason anyone ever liked it was because it had damage. Um and but it handles terribly. It doesn't sound great. It doesn't play great. It the cars look awful. It's weird. I, I don't know. I, I but I think it's something that we should maybe talk about at some point because uh, it, it was it was seen as like the N64's answer to Sega Rally for better or worse. So yeah, sounds like. Uh we might as well look at it next move to these <laughs> Nintendo 64 games well not next but at some point yeah. soon obviously got to see what we're talking about but um, I was just looking at this article again on MRC just to see if there were any interesting tidbits and I think like generally accepted the King Roader is as the name would suggest the kind of the best car in the game kind of objectively speaking if you can basically kind of tune mm. it right and on the side of the car, it literally says, this car is the best car. The best car. <laughs> <laughs> it just says on the side of the fucking car. And I've never noticed that before when I was playing. I, I 
you know, I feel like we've talked about this before, but I think it was really, it's going to be mean, but it was much easier to have, have a job as like a, a game journalist or something like that in the 90s. Like, you just, <laughs> you just write weird yeah. shit and, or the things that don't make <laughs> sense or things that are, yeah, and, and you just, it goes to print and no one cares. Uh, and, and no one, no one's going to question it. Um, I'm sorry, but you know, you can call up Genki weeks after the game came out and ask, is the game out? And they'll tell you yes or no. And then your job's been done for the day. <laughs> oh my God. Yep. Well, man, another impressive fucking hour talking about a, a random Nintendo 64 what game. What we do best. It truly is. We, I'm sure everybody's been waited with bated breath for this one. So, um... Yeah, I can't wait to see the thousands and thousands of listens. MRC pod has finally been done. I like talking about these games and no one else cares about it. It doesn't, you know, it's it's not ever going to uh, extend the brand of time extend, but uh, I feel like no, no one else is an MRC pod, so, you know, we're, we're, we're definitely doing something within our own lane. But that said, if, uh, you know, you're listening to this and you're like, I would really like it if you guys talked about a particular game... Uh, and you want to bring that to our attention, we're always willing to hear about it. Uh, especially if it's one that we haven't checked out before. Because um, I feel like, you know, we're talking about MRC, and it's going to inspire some people to pick up and try the game. And I wonder how many of them are actually going to enjoy it and how many aren't. But, uh, yeah, if you, have, if you have any suggestions, hit us up on Twitter. Um, as always, if you... Uh, would like to join the discord um just send us a dm or something like that and, and we'll get you in um 
yeah and and just you know it was a while since the last episode but and and you know we always say we're trying to do it more often but uh we we are so <laughs> hopefully it won't be too long until the next one <laughs> yeah exactly i think um we can get a bit of momentum now and trying to commit to that dreaded really the dreaded recording schedule that always seems to fall through um it's one of these ones i think we've talked about it before but because we we both have the time zone difference especially but then also just real life shit getting yeah. in the way at times it can be frustrating but um yeah i think it was that's kind of one of the biggest breaks we've actually had in quite mm. a while so we should be able to kind of move from there and there's just so so much to talk about this is one we could tick off the list i'm excited um, for your uh in-depth analysis on why Art of Rally on the Switch is so... Oh, my. <laughs> oh, Jesus, right. I don't want to go off into a bit of a tangent with this. But it, would ex- it, would extend, it would extend the podcast by another hour. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, man. Simply put, right. I, I, I think this is very harsh, but th- this is an expensive game at the end of the day, and I love what Fun Selector did with that title. Like I, I, I'm a huge advocate of it, as you know, Adam. Um, but please, not yet anyway. I wouldn't rush out and pay for this. It's just way too expensive for how it looks and plays. It's um, it's, it's incredibly rough. Like you're saying, we could go on for an hour so far about what I've experienced, but it's like I think it was um, Andrew from GT Planet that commented something that really made me laugh on the Twitter post I made that said. Uh, like Colin McRae rally for the Atari ST <laughs> and yeah it's like you, you, you take this like incredibly appealing visual art style which thrives on minimalism you think would be great would on just, the switch you know <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah you would think so 100% and like you just reduce it to the absolute foundations of what it probably looked like when it was now for development so it just doesn't have any charm or anything, it just feels like a totally empty sandbox and it's really funny because like you know yourself Adam from what you've played, like, before the race starts it will show you like these scenic pans of the track yeah. and show you all the kind of areas and stuff but because in the Switch version they've removed so much of the scenery and environment elements there's genuinely times where it pans onto like a, a pale yellow like flat piece of land with like nothing there <laughs> and it's like it just it's so fucking strange man um i know that this game isn't either the most well optimized or has a lot of fucking physics calcs going on in the background maybe that makes it not run incredibly well even on pc without a, a small bit of tweaking so uh, i don't want to kind of put fun selector on blast i know that the switch can be hard to work with but at the same time uh th- this port of the game almost removes everything that makes it admirable in the first place so the the one thing i'll say is you, you put up those four screenshots last night and honestly like i was looking at it on my phone and you're like it looks terrible and <laughs> i put up the the first shot of like the buildings and stuff within one of the stages i i, I tapped on that and it's on the phone screen on my iphone 11 pro or whatever so you know it's not that big yeah. and it zoomed out and i'm like this does i mean you know clearly there's less detail here but it doesn't look bad but then something compelled me to just like pinch to expand and when i did that i i could see like 
I, I, I have never seen such a lack of anti-aliasing before in my life and such a low resolution. <laughs> and like once I did that, I was like, oh, okay. Like just making those lines jagged on like the edges of buildings and the edges of roads and shit like that, it literally makes the game look like Virtua Racing for the 32X. Like at that point, it's just, <laughs> yeah. You, I, I know that this is going to be the easiest thing to say in the world for someone who doesn't develop games for a living but one thing that just absolutely like boggles me to no end is like when you when you see these games poured to the switch and the developer just again we can we can give fun selector a bit of uh, leeway here because it is one dude but this happens a lot with with other cross-platform um you know ports as well it's just like we're gonna take the game and we're just gonna we're gonna you know uh, uh, dip the resolution down from from 1080p to like 480p for the switch, and it'll look great. And it's like you can't you can't do that. Like it's gotta run at some level of a native resolution for the system. Otherwise, it, it just looks horrendous. And a game like this that doesn't have textures to distract from you, so really all you see are those like yes. jagged lines all over the place, like. Uh, I know it's hard, and there was a lot that goes into it, but yeah, it 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 didn't look good, and I just kind of miss the days of when you know you could optimize a game like that for all the platforms it would appear on. Uh, but that's just kind of not really in the card, especially not for an indie. So it is what it is. Yeah, and it, it, the the thing that reminds me the most of. Is um, Lego Island on the PC? <laughs> to look at screenshots of that game and compare it to those out of rally screenshots, it's like ridiculously similar. <laughs> and like you're saying, it's the lack of anti-aliasing most of all that's the biggest fucking um, point to, to bring up. Because if you look at the telephone wires, it's genuinely zigzags. Yeah. <laughs> it's just oh man. And then if these decisions were taken to get it to like say sixty. FPS or something, then it's still not optimal, but you can kind of see why that'd be the case, especially given the fact that Art of Rally is an incredibly difficult game and you're going to be playing it with no analog triggers as well, and then putting it down to 30 FPS, it's just... I don't want to think about playing that game is, at 30. That's, I can't play that oh game at a, at a decent frame rate. It's too hard for me. Yeah. yeah. And imagine that without the analog triggers as well, <laughs> to, to kind of measure the throttle and stuff, oh it's just... God. Simply put, it's not the way to play this game. Um, the portability element gets a lot of Switch ports by, but in my opinion, just given how um, how difficult and hard to wrestle Art of Rally can be, especially in those faster speed classes, it, it's just going to be an exercise in pain. And I, I, I hate saying that, because when I seen it was coming to the Switch, I was, I was pretty excited to add another game to the roster, because I think I've said it before, but I always want to try and support any racing games that come to that platform, purely because if you think about kind of a year and a half back when we had pretty much nothing on there i think we had said on the pods that it'd be cool to see like a renaissance of racing games coming to the switch and it is slowly actually getting to a decent collection of like ps3 era ports and some other kind of smaller scale arcade racing game titles and all the, the kyloton stuff as well but that is also a bit of a technical mishmash of nonsense um yeah so it's one of those ones where i seen it was coming and I know Art of Rally is, is far from cheap. Um, it's good that it's on Game Pass on Xbox, which I would say if you don't have a PC, definitely get that instead of this. 
Um, but yeah, it, it's not the way to experience Art of Rally, and that's my heavily condensed <laughs> review of Art of Rally on Switch. Don't touch this. I, it feels bad seeing it. Fun Selector done a fantastic job, in my opinion, with the PC. I heard the Xbox versions are fine as well. I understand wanting to get the game on the platform that is like still somehow exploding and getting more popular this far into its life cycle. Um, but you just you won't actually get what makes this game good in the first place, or rather, what I enjoy about it. I think um, just because we're talking about it again, um, Adam, you've still not really been won over by it, have you? I, I honestly haven't gone back to play it since it came out, and I played it at a friend's place. Yeah. And- his controller uh, just had like this weird um, sort of the analog stick or the, the direction was just kind of like uh, perpetually stuck like so so the car was always crabbing which is like obviously a hard <laughs> that's you know bad for any race game but it's really bad for Art of Rally and yeah I just yeah. don't to be honest like lots of people talk about how beautiful the game is yeah there's there's a level of minimalism to me that like is just kind of boring and that game kind of achieves yeah. it yeah. um i don't really like the top-down perspective and i know that you can adjust it so it's more behind the car and as close to the car as possible but i, I don't think it's really f- it's not fun for me um it's mostly difficult i don't find it that pretty i don't find it that enjoyable in general um but i know a lot of people love the game and if you know if you do and uh you can master it you know that has to, i imagine it has to be very satisfying so more power to you but yeah i've never i've never been one for those games so any, any racing game that's like mostly top down it's just it's a combination of just like it's very removed for me it's not intuitive at all yeah and also yeah. the inability to really see forward just kind of I, I just have no desire to play a game where I can't see in the direction I'm moving as well as possible I mean it's like it's why I didn't really like Crash Bandicoot when I was a kid like <laughs> I just I want the camera to be facing the direction I'm going in and and that's always kind of what what that's how I choose to live my life and that's how I ha- the games I choose to play as well so yeah, that, that makes sense to me. I think those are all fair points, to be <laughs> honest. I mean, it's one of these games where I personally think that it's one of those games that you don't really get anything out of being fast in it, in the sense that, like you're saying, there's so many blockers there in terms of, in the, in the actual design, in terms of trying to get fast. I've always just seen it more of like, this is the essence of what rallying is, uh, distilled into a kind of, not a chill experience, but a, a zen-like experience once you kind of get the chance to get decent at it but like you say there's just there's no real incentive to do that so it's it's um it's definitely a title that appeals to some people but not to others and i also think it's this type of title that you'll see a lot of these outlandish statements about good it is after like an hour from people who don't really play racing games and stuff i don't mean to sound harsh like that but i think it's one of those ones where if you're into that level of minimalism and the the kind of almost hipster-esque take on the the motorsport it's like it's very easy to come out with Oh, this is a this is an absolute brilliant game and stuff, but um, it definitely has its deficits. And I think in our Discord, actually, the the thoughts on it are pretty split. If I recall, there's definitely for everyone that says they really enjoy it, there's a good few people who have the kind of similar issues that you have, Adam. And it, it's it's cool that it exists in the sense that I, I didn't like um, 
was it Absolute Drift or something? The yeah. Before this yeah. one, Fun Selector. For the same reasons you were saying about, like, it just didn't tick any boxes for me. And I kind of art of rally in that exact same ballpark till I downloaded it. I think I remember saying as much when we talked about it on the pod. But it did grab me and I was really happy with what it was. But there's no denying, even just from a cost perspective, I think it's just way too fucking expensive for what it is as well. Um, but at the same time, um, worst games have charged full price. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I think it just, you know, $20, based on how much people like this game, if you're paying that on Steam or Xbox or PlayStation or whatever, if it's on Play, is it on PlayStation? It's probably on PlayStation, right? Um, maybe uh, not yet. Yeah, but <laughs> but you know if you're playing it for a good version of the game it's probably worth it because um, a lot of people do enjoy it but don't don't maybe pay that for the switch one um, no absolutely not right so i like that we got a little bit of our rally uh discussion in here it wasn't planned at all but um th- those were just you always like no one ever really shares like any images from like the switch version of a racing game but i remember you did it with wrc (laughs) years ago and and you did it now with art of rally and i feel like i feel like if not for you no one would ever know how these games look because no one ever plays them on the switch so (laughs) yeah i'm always just like like you're like you were saying like the the means to get it to the switch there is a, a kind of a right way to take it, which is incredibly time-consuming and mm. expensive, and usually only done by Nintendo themselves. And then you've got the Kyloton way of doing things, which is basically smearing a lot of shit on the screen, uh, dialing back the fidelity, and then just shipping yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's it's what's always disappointing to me is that like, and I said this on Twitter, every time I go back to a game like Mario Kart 8, I am floored by how perfect that game runs how amazing it looks it is a tour de force and honestly it's one of those games that proves that we're at a time now where like if you if your art style is suited well for the system and you know obviously you have nintendo's wizardry and 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 they know their platform inside and out as well as anyone and they have the money and the resources obviously to do everything at at the most optimal level possible you can get visuals on the switch and performance on the switch that does not make you miss a more powerful console at all at all like that's that's yeah. how mk8 deluxe is to me and then you see you, you compare that to all of these cross-platform games that wind up on the switch and it's just like i don't even i honestly like don't get me wrong it absolutely is a money thing but like you you look at other games like fast rmx that i would also put up there is like so beautifully optimized like what shinen did with that game and I really think it is that, like, if you're making a game just for the Switch, you can get this amazing performance out of it. But anyone that's, like, trying to juggle multiple platforms at once will never take that time. And it's just really disappointing. Because it it, it does leave the Switch looking and feeling like the inferior faux tablet handheld thing that it is, as opposed to what it can be, which is really, really good when people make games specifically for it. But, yeah. yeah, exactly. And... I think as well with how powerful mobile devices are these days, it's just one of these ones where it you would not wager against an Art of Rally port on iOS or Android absolutely spanking this version oh, of it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so it's it's like and, and obviously that that is to be expected if you're looking at the raw specs, but it's just that that idea that a dedicated gaming device can be a failure on that level because that there just isn't that 
level of care and attention to adapt the platform because I mean obviously you brought Mario Kart and it's crazy because first of all that's a port of a, a Wii U game pretty yeah. much and that game that kind of originating game now is like seven years old but I would still wager that it's probably one of the most perfect examples of balancing an art style with technical yep. prowess and it like you're saying it's a tour de force of what can be achieved and it, it basically leaves it all up to Nintendo to give us that type of experience which for some people might be great but with the amount of stuff that Nintendo put out that I just don't resonate with or care about it's really frustrating <laughs> that it's like you would just like to see some third party just decide randomly you know what let's make like an absolutely ridiculously banging Switch game and like what you could potentially get from that but when it's left up to Nintendo it's like they they won't bring out another Mario Kart for god knows how long now yeah. because they ate the looks it's still like itself. one of the best selling and games ever <laughs> Yeah. yeah, exactly, that's it. They're even saying that it, it does the potential to catch up with the Wii version at some point or get within close proximity to it, which is fucking oh ridiculous. Um, and because of that, it means that on the racing game front anyway, we're not going to really see anything that runs better and plays better than Mario Kart 8 Deluxe on the Switch. I think that's just the reality at this point as it kind of enters that fifth year upcoming. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I played MK8 uh, like two weeks ago uh with with friends um with a bunch of friends i'm like i i know in the past i've been like uh you know i think mario kart 8 is it's a great game but i think it's a little overrated like i just don't find it that much fun but no it's it's amazing when you can go back to it you know it's been um like probably three years since it came out and then it's been way longer obviously if you're talking about that uh the wii u version like you were and it's just like yeah this game still looks incredible and is it's one of those games that really makes you question like i'm playing this on the switch uh and it did that three years ago and it still does that to me today and you know i imagine like on the oled one on that oled screen it's gonna look really really good but you will never (laughs) you you buy the switch on the promise of and i guess uh, every nintendo console is kind of like this in in a sense the promise of the zeldas and the marios and the mario karts and all those kinds of games and now you know splatoon and smash and whatever but like with the reality is you know you have all of that and then that only represents about 15 to 20 percent of what's there and then the rest are just like these middling just half-assed they just don't take advantage of the system at all they don't they're, they're not optimized for it and and they just look awful <laughs> that's that's the reality <laughs> exactly and i think um when we were talking in the Discord at one point about when the Ridge Racer uh, IP trademarks got renewed and stuff. We were talking a bit about how you could basically do like a Ridge Racer collection and you could probably like keep the visuals pretty much identical but just up-res it to the highest possible element on the, the Switch and give it like an incredible frame rate and it would look fantastic on that console because those games have such kind of s- simple blocky art styles in the sense that there's not too many inherently complex parts in there. Something that Rage Racer obviously seems a bit more um, detailed, but for those that first kind of Ridge Racer games, it'd be incredible on the Switch because it probably has that same type of art style we're talking about that can really flourish. Um, but yeah, I think Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is kind of your whack as far as um, incredibly performant racing games goes on the Switch. and. It's a brilliant game, but it's also seven years old, effectively. So it's it's one of those ones where, you, like you're saying, it's you buy a Switch for the Mario's, the Zelda's. That's typically what everyone does. But it, 
it would be cool to see another racing game on there that performs pretty well. And in fairness to EA, I think the um, the Need for Speed port that came out not that long ago was actually pretty decent on the console. So, but which, then again, which one is that? It's um. Oh, why am I forgetting the name? There was a Need for Speed on the Switch. I it's, totally uh, missed that. Hot, it's not Hopper. Oh, 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 right, 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 right. Hopper Super Remastered, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I, I, I'm such an idiot. No, I have that game. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't think of it as a Need for Speed, I think, at this point, because, like, it's so... It, it's old. I mean, it is a Need for Speed game, obviously, but, like, I was thinking, like, they didn't port Heat, they didn't port Payback. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, no, that game runs well. I mean, the problem is that... I, I don't like it, but it does run very well. Um, I'm excited for, uh, you know, the, the actually, you know what the best racing game on the system is going to be is uh, Super Monkey Ball um, oh, yes. Banana Mania when that comes out. I'm very excited for that. Oh, very excited to do uh, the, the racing mode in that. Um, we need to use that as an excuse to do a pod on that game because oh like, we're absolutely going to do a geez. podcast on Super Monkey Ball. <laughs> Sega is absolutely hitting out the park with this one. It's just like all you literally had to do was take those like levels from the first games that were in deluxe, and I'd be like, "That's more than enough, perfect." And then they were like, "Oh, but all the mini games are coming back too." Oh, the only thing is, <laughs> the only problem is the mini games. There's no online multiplayer. That's the ah, big issue with the game. Yeah. You, you can't play the mini <laughs> games online, which is like that. That really kills me because I was gonna tell. Literally everyone I know to get this game so we could all play it, but you can't you can't play that online, so Ah, that 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 is a shame. But like in terms of what that game is at the moment, it's so much more than I thought it was going to be. So yeah. like it's a it's a sad like it's sad not include it because let's be honest, how often will you probably play the mini games with people offline? Probably not as often yeah. as you would have when we were younger, but yeah, the the racing mode's definitely an excuse to do a pod on that because I'm just so fucking psyched for that, and I think it's out the same day as the OLED Switch as well. That's probably the platform I'll get it for. But at the same time, I'm also tempted to get it for like the Xbox, so I don't know. I'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I, I know you're uh, you're probably a fan of Monkey Football, which is a great mini game. <laughs> but I I would say uh, definitely check out Monkey Baseball. Fortunately, it shares almost absolutely nothing with the game of baseball. So, you know, you just play it for a little bit and, and uh, I think I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. Just got to play through every single one of those. <laughs> <laughs> what a tangent this pod took. <laughs> this is great. This is good. I, I think um, I think if if you were the kind of person who wasn't particularly interested in MRC, um, <laughs> you at least, uh, if you didn't stick around till the end, you skipped until about 50 minutes into the podcast where we started talking about our rally and you, you had something <laughs> to switch and you had something to talk about, but Hey, uh, you know, it was all, it all pertained to Nintendo racing games. And I think that's, uh, that's what we have to, uh, acknowledge here is that there, even though we didn't try to do this, there was a thread running through this podcast from beginning to end. So it ties up, ties up nicely in a sense. You got the old and the new. Yeah, exactly, and it was totally intentional, obviously, we planned this out as well. Right. Well, this is uh, this has been a nice little surprise of a podcast and a mixture of uh, of discussion. So, um, everybody, thanks thanks for listening once again. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll hopefully you'll hear from us again soon. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. See you soon.